because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support The Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone, welcome to the Green Room Comedy Podcast. We're doing it live here at the Silver Lake Studios on SeanTGreen.com, presented by 24-7 Comedy. I'd like to welcome on my left-hand man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, what's shaking? Cowabunga, Sean. Cowabunga indeed, Logan. So uh, we got Thanksgiving coming up. I know we talked about it a little bit on the last show. Yeah. Any big plans so far? Yeah, I'm going to be hanging out with you, my friends. <laughs> Pretty exciting. Got a lot yeah. planned. Um, Thanksgiving oh, always. Is there a lot planned? No, it's a it's a figure of speech, Logan. I mean, I think I think I speak for most of America. And uh, Thanksgiving is just a time where you eat as much as you can, drink as much as you can, and then you know, kind of hibernate in this weird food coma. And now, well, and some uh, and some alcohol induced coma. And, but now, thanks to the NFL, we have a late game, so it gives you something something to keep drinking for. And uh, I appreciate that the National Football League bringing that to our attention. I'd like to uh, welcome on our guest to the program, Adam Hammer. Adam, what's happening, man? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm doing a podcast. Yeah, that, that you are, man. <laughs> You're doing a podcast. We're actually in the moment of doing a podcast. Have you done a lot of podcasts? Uh, I've done a couple of podcasts. done a lot of radio. Okay. Yeah. And what's uh, – I compared the two from, like, doing radio because I've, I've been a guest on uh, some morning shows, the Bearman and Keith Morning Zoo on uh, – Local radio, so right. <laughs> to kind of compare and contrast the experience of being a guest on a podcast versus being a guest on a traditional radio show. Well, Sean, who's I, I can cuss. When you did that? <laughs> yeah, no, it was at, it was at a studio, but uh, I can cuss on a podcast, but there's less naked women right. on podcasts than there are morning yeah. radios. Yeah, yeah we only shows. have one, and she's. Sad in the corner. <laughs> She's, and it, we should really untie her, guys. This <laughs> eventually, is eventually we'll let her go. It's kind of an avant-garde piece. You know, eh, podcasts appeal to the hipster, so we thought we'd throw that in there. <laughs> you got to earn your green card somehow. Yes, it is. Savenka. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually had those game shows, Win a Green Card, and that's exactly what it was. These uh, kind of like wacky Mexican shows, and it would be a game show. They'd be doing all these crazy stunts, and at the end, you don't actually, you can't legally win a green card, but they give you like ten thousand dollars in lawyer fees for a guy to like try to leverage you to get a green card. What are the challenges? I, you know, are they, um, like serving fries. And no, no, they're not actually. <laughs> which in. in yeah, it seems like actually getting to America seems easier than the game show itself. The game show, I think it involved trivia, guys getting dunked. Like It, it seemed like a pretty complex game, whereas, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem like anyone has a problem just kind of taking a bus here. I don't know how right. to get here, but <laughs> yeah. it seems like we have a pretty open policy of just, hey, come on over, start hanging out. 
I don't know. I, I don't see people getting turned away in droves, but I'm not right on the border. But it seems like if you really want to get to America, you can. Yeah, if 12 million people can figure it out, then right. yeah, I think that there's a way to do it other than yeah, you're just, getting kicked on the nuts on TV or exactly. whatever their challenge is. Right, maybe you make a cameo on a Border Patrol's a cable program or whatever that Border <laughs> Patrol uh, reality show where they catch the illegal immigrants, and then they just take them back, drop them off, and then wait for them to – cross over the next day. I mean, the fact that we had to decide whether or not to build a fence means that there's probably some open area where you can wander through. I think there's plenty of open yeah. area. I th- there's people that come and go. They come here and they yeah. work. They make yeah. a bunch of money. They go back to Mexico for the summer. That sounds great. That Good sounds like a... Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to summer down in Mexico, especially if I knew like a place... You know, maybe Cancun. I don't know. I don't yeah, really yeah. know the uh, Mexican Stay out of leaves. the way of the cartel, and I think yeah. you're good, right? <laughs> right. Hey, yeah. one thing you can say about Sean Green, I'm not a rat. I'm not a rat. I'm not a narc. You can sell whatever kind of drugs you want. You will not be throwing me off a building. There, I mean, it's getting insane down there. Like, I don't know. Have you ever been down to Mexico? Oh, yeah. I used to go once a month in college. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's because yeah, Tijuana? Tijuana, Rosarito, Ensenada, you can drink when you're 18 there. And I grew up uh, just outside of L.A here so that's where we would go as soon as we turn 18 and so, yo, anytime yeah. you save up 25 dollars <laughs> you get five buddies together in a car and then whoever whoever's not seeing double at the end of the night drives the two hours home could yeah you, could you yourself have in theory smuggled people like in your trunk yeah we could have uh, checked it out yeah there's ways to sneak over the border too like right at the border. My buddy didn't have an ID and he was drunk and didn't feel like waiting in line. And I don't know how, but he ended up at our car. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't legal. Whatever he did, he followed another guy through. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like that guy wasn't with us. That guy seems like they're not real sticklers on rules, but yeah, I, I went down to Tijuana a few times and that's kind of part of the fun is you get there and you feel like, Oh, man, this is adults, but it's no rules, yeah. especially when you're 18 because you can drink. But then just the added, oh, I'm in Mexico. Like, who gives a crap? Like, it's almost <laughs> just like it feels like a rental country. Like, you can just kind of go there, do whatever you want to do, wake yeah. up in the morning, come back. You're not going to have any problems. You can do everything everything crazy, but the littlest things will get you. Like, you can, you know, go get hookers and drugs and all that, but yeah. don't piss on a wall and let a right. cop see you because <laughs> yeah. that's like a $900 fine. You're going to stay the night in jail. Yeah, I mean, you can go crazy against the Bible, but uh, yeah, don't piss on a wall. Don't jaywalk. Just stupid little things. Yeah, I remember the one uh, strip club I went to was uh, down in Tijuana. It was called Madonna's, Okay, which is – Madonna's the name of the Virgin Mary. But it seems like a bizarre – you know, you had this idea of, okay, uh, Mexico, they're also super religious, Roman Catholic, but – here, the strip club is named after the Virgin Mary. So I don't know. Maybe a little bit of hypocritical there. <laughs> well, they're closed on Good Friday. <laughs> exactly. <so. laughs> you just see all the strippers with the uh, the uh, ash on their forehead. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. I walked in there, and on the uh, on the stereo was playing a, a ludicrous song. And that, that wasn't a surprise. The surprise was that it was an edited, clean version. So in wow. a strip club in Tijuana, they were – they didn't want any profanity. No, you don't want to upset the Virgin Mary. No, she'll be uh, crying in the back, and then you know, next thing you know, it becomes a tourist attraction. <laughs> they don't want that. They want strictly the uh, strip club business. I used to. I we used to play this game called Where Will Adam Puke when okay. we would go to Mexico, and there was a time <laughs> where I was in a strip club, and we were all sitting in a booth watching the strippers. 
and it started coming on. So I just leaned behind the booth and started puking, and then would lean back and watch the strippers. And then when it would come on, I'd lean back, puke behind the booth again, and then I just tapped my bro- my body, and I went, "I think we better switch places." <laughs> we just left because I did not want to get in trouble down there. Yeah, no, it is it is weird. For every story I've heard of, like you can just do anything. It's the craziest time. Then you also hear, "Oh yeah, if you're speeding, you better have two hundred dollars in yeah. your pocket because." The cops will pull you over, and uh, but they all take they, bribes as well. Oh yeah, all they do, all they do is take bribes, and if you don't have bribes, you're going to jail. Did you have any run-ins with the law down there? I never had any run-ins with the law. I had run-ins with the fake police. Oh okay. yeah, and it was guys that were dressed like uh, like the equivalent of if you order a male stripper and then <laughs> yeah. put them in a cop outfit. You know, like yeah. like they looked real. They don't t- have the abs. Yeah, other yeah. Than that, no, look- no, they were yeah, they were pudgy with like made of paper mustaches, <laughs> totally crooked. It wasn't like legit but they tried to they tried to shake our us down for money and i'm like looking at them and i spoke spanish pretty well in high school my aunt's from guatemala so i knew what was going on and i was always the point man so i'd be like what the what the hell's going on guys and and they start trying to trying to say that we were breaking some law and i'm like no way what are you talking about and there were like 20 of us there for a bachelor party so two of them are working one end and i'm sitting there arguing with the other one at the other end so half of them started paying money up and i'm like put your money away guys and i see down the street the real cops and i'm like hey these guys are trying to take our money and the real cops are like cops are probably just they blow the whistle the guys take off with half our buddy's money and the other half we're like idiots i was telling you not to pay them (laughs) then those cops are like all right um now we're here we're the real cops and reporting a crime is a 200 dollars right exactly (laughs) like they they can't be stealing our scam man that's our scam yeah i remember we went down to uh Tijuana, Mexico, or no, I'm sorry, not Tijuana, Cancun, uh, after we graduated high school, me and a bunch of buddies went down there for kind of like a spring break type thing, and we rented a motor scooter, and my buddy kind of dinged it a little bit, but when he came back, the guy was just like $200, and my buddy just was got scared, and, you know, because you're just in another country, you just pay him and run away, but like, nowadays, I just, you know, I'd be like, nah, it's not $200, and then really try to fight it out, wait for them to call the police. It does seem like, uh, yeah, just the whole law enforcement is is crazy down there. Yeah, and the fact that the cops drive around in, like, Nissan Sentras and stuff, (laughs) that's pretty wild. Yeah, and you see the drug lords are in these reinforced SUVs with, like, machine gun turrets on the top. Yeah, they're way better funded. Yeah, those guys are the actual law enforcement. Yeah. All right, so now, Adam, you you grew up in Southern California. You were... uh, You were actually born in L.A.? I uh, I was born in Anaheim, grew up in Chino. Grew up in Chino. Yeah. Now, wait, is Chino, is that a little more north, right? No, no, Chino is uh, like 30 miles east of L.A. Oh, okay. It's like if you're driving from L.A. to Vegas, it's where you, pretty much where you make a left to get on the 15 off of the Oh, okay. It's where it starts to smell like cow shit. That's where I grew up. Yeah, you're kind of getting out in the Inland Empire. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Inland Empire. Now, uh, what was uh, what was life like for you growing up? Would you describe yourself? Were you into sports? Were you kind of into art? Were you a skater? I think I think I've talked to you about. Were you into skating? And yeah, stuff like that? yeah. I used to skateboard. Big skateboarder. Day. Yeah, and uh, yeah, skateboard. Regular little kid hooligan stuff. Yeah. Getting and, into trouble? Did you get in? A, yeah. Have some run-ins with the law. What kind of? What Plenty kind of, of run-ins with the law. Now, what kind of <laughs> what kind of stuff would you get busted for as a kid growing up? Uh, smoking, truancy, stealing, uh, fighting. Uh, I don't know, normal stuff. I normal, guess. normal, yeah. normal kid. Like no murder, no drug right. dealing, or anything. there were a lot of things I did I didn't get caught for. But the run is with the <laughs> law. There was a running with the law where I uh, 
uh, I was run. I ran away from home. I was gone for like three weeks, and I stole a pack of cigarettes. And uh, and the guy chased me, and I hopped in the car and tried to shut the door. And he was holding onto my shirt, so I kept slamming his arm in the door, going like, "Oh, come on, man, just let go. It's just cigarettes." And he's going, "Ow, ow, ow!" And I'm like, "Just let go!" And I kicked him away. Um, and I thought that that was just like, "Oh, I stole cigarettes." And whatever but the guy got the license plate and they found my buddy and then they got my name so i was on the lam for stealing cigarettes i thought and it turned out it was robbery because there was a struggle involved and uh so yeah that cop um wasn't very nice to me when he finally got me it (laughs) took him like six days to find a 15 year old now here's what i don't understand who is this guy working at this gas station that cares so much about these cigarettes that i mean i understand the guy who owns the liquor store and they and they put a gun on him and then he gets out the bat and whacks the guy with the gun but a little teenager running out with a pack of cigarettes i might go out there and go hey stop or maybe try and grab it but once my once my arms in the you know i'm not reaching in and then with the door slamming on me i mean for eight dollars an hour you couldn't find an employee that dedicated what what made this guy so (laughs) intense about his job it's amazing i don't know (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, I have no I feel idea. Like that's how cops are. They're super prideful. Well, yeah, I mean, I understand. Well, a cop this cop was super proud. Oh, I was a faggot, and I was going to make a good bitch in prison. <laughs> I'm 15. I was, I'm skinny now, but I was even skinnier then, man. I was. Uh, well, that is funny. How it seems like uh, when all else fails, they just try to intimidate you with gay sex. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was slamming me up against the hood and breathing on my neck. And, oh, this is what it's going to feel like. And I'm like, oh, I'm going. If I'm going anywhere, it's juvenile hall. So <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal for me. <laughs> All right. So what – you know, you're kind of a little troublemaker. What do you think uh, brought that on? Were you just kind of bored in school? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely not, bored. Not feeling challenged or what do you what do you think was the cause? No, no. I had, uh, wasn't feeling challenged. Uh, I had all straight A's. I was in the honor classes and all that stuff and I was just bored and I was cutting up at school. I was ditching all the time and – just wanted to go have fun. I didn't like school. I didn't yeah. like authority. Still don't. I'm still not a big fan of getting told what to do. Um, but, now, did you end up going? But to now I don't fuck a- fuck around as <laughs> is uh, is is freely as I used to. Once I turned eighteen, I was like, okay, I should probably pick and choose what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, I know because, I'm going to start hanging out in Mexico because now I might actually make that bitch in prison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> did you end up uh, going to college? Did you go to college mm-hmm. at all? Yeah, I dropped out of high school, took my GED, and went to junior college, and then went to regular college. That was a lot better because it was I got to pick my schedule, I got to pick my classes. I didn't, a little bit of freedom. teachers didn't care if you were there or not. They didn't, right? Nobody, nobody worried about the minutia. They were like, "Hey, you're paying to be here. If you want to learn, that's on you. I don't give a fuck what happens to you after tomorrow. I got, I got test to grade, dude." <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, whether it's a job or school or whatever. It's always great to. I'm the same way. I've always kind of been annoyed at authority, not to the point that I slam a cashier's hand in the door, but yeah, the, the, uh, just the. <laughs> I was pretty drunk when that yeah, happened. I, <laughs> I've I've done close now. <laughs> yeah, just the idea of like, oh, okay, hey, if I get my work done and I do this and do I do that, I don't just have to be there just for the sake of being there. That was always frustrating in school or or other kind of jobs. Like even when I worked an office job. 
It was like, hey, if I do all this work that you need me to get done in five and a half hours, why can't I just go home? Why do I have to play this game of sitting here for an extra two and a half hours when we both know I'm not going to be doing anything? Why not just what you know, even give me more work to do, and then as soon as I'm done my work, I'll go home? Yeah, or just pay me to be on Facebook, whatever right, you want. Exactly. If you don't want to keep giving me more work, I'll, I'll work, but I'm not going to work. I, with jobs, it's different. With jobs, it's that's fine. Pay, pay me however you want. It's your business, but... They got the you got to wear a tie. You got to show up at meetings that don't have anything to do with your position, and yeah. that, that's the kind of stuff that I'm just like, oh, I can't handle this. That's it's when I start cutting up and making fun of the boss, and then getting right. fired and stuff. <laughs> now, when was your? When did you first start figuring out? Oh, hey, maybe I'll give comedy a try. What was your first occupational interest when you were hanging out skateboarding as a young kid? What did you kind of aspire to be? Uh, what did I want to be? Oh, I wanted to be a comedian, but it, it, even though Hollywood was only 30 miles away, it still seems really unattainable. And my, I don't have like an entertainment family or anything. Yeah. And so, uh, so that was always like a pipe dream, according to my parents. And then, um, <laughs> and then uh, my buddy, who's actually still a comedian and an actor, he grew up in the same town as me. His name is Alfonso McCauley. Uh, he was a friend of a friend. We both went to the same high school, but he was a couple years older than me. But he was doing these, like, he was getting good at improv, like, practicing doing improv, like, Whose Line Is It Anyways was on TV and things like that. So I was, like, 17 or 18, and we would we would do improv in front of friends. And this was, like, uh, one of the only, uh, like, positive things that I was doing at the time. <laughs> <laughs> other than school. I mean, I was going to school, but that was like, other than that, it was just like parties and trying to fuck chicks and things like yeah. that, you know? And a <laughs> lot of drugs. high school stuff. A lot of drugs. And, uh, but this, so we would do that, and I was good at it, and I had fun, and I'm like, hey, maybe I can do something. And this guy was the one that was, uh, that told me, oh, I'm studying film, and I'm doing stand-up, and you should come with me. And he took me to my first stand-up gig. It was uh, at a soul food restaurant in Inglewood. Nice. Uh, I was the only white guy. I was 19, and uh, I learned uh, just how different uh, different cultures grow up. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, not everybody relates to the same things. Not everybody That's has the same problem. That's got to be tough, problem. especially on your first time. Because yeah. the first time you're going for, okay, hey, this is a couple – maybe you got a couple of pop culture stuff that you know. Okay, <laughs> guys, remember when we were 13 years old and we all did this and – yeah, I mean, how did right. it go over? Did you totally bomb? Oh, I bombed horribly. The only time I, like, all the jokes that I wrote bombed horribly. Even if I did make fun of cops, which the other comics would do, too, it's like coming from a different angle. Right. Cops a dick, <laughs> he took my skateboard. And they're like, yeah, was, social <laughs> services took my kid. And I was like, like yeah, oh, we, yeah, that's a totally we got, different. We got hoes for wanting to vote. <laughs> right. We weren't grinding at some uh, library. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got busted for waxing the curb, man. Yeah, we were the curb. I was skitching with my buddies because I'm really badass. And the, cops, the cops took my shit, but you know they're going to be riding that later. Isn't that whack, guys? <laughs> I know he's totally smoking my stash. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason they take it, man. It's all its all part of the system, Luminati. <laughs> they're just like, fuck you. They just beat the shit out of Rodney King. What do you know about problems? Right. <laughs> yeah, and this was uh, not that long after that, too. This was... Uh, uh, like 2000, I think, when I started. So. 2000? Yeah. That was like when you first really started giving it a go and, and crying yeah. away at it? That's when I first went on stage, but I didn't, I still didn't know what to do because there's, like, my buddy, he was, he was a clean comic and he's a Christian, so he didn't do, like, bars and things like that, which 
uh, and I was only 19, so I didn't know where to go for open mics other than the comedy store, right. which is which is brutal if you don't have the right mindset for that place at 19. And uh, so it was like pretty sporadic until I was like 22, 23, and then that's when I started. Yeah, I mean, it like is going weird. Up every night and it, it, it is. Right way. I mean, even from when I started to now, just to think how much it's changed. Because I remember being out here in LA, and there was like maybe one or two websites that would list open mics, but a lot of it was just kind of driving around, talking to other people, and getting a lay of the yeah. land. Now, if you just go online, everyone's connected to Facebook. People are like, "Oh, hey, book me on the show. Do this." It <laughs> seems like there's so much more of a of a built-in network. Like you just kind of go, "Hey, I'm a comedian." You start showing up. It seems like it's a lot easier where i feel like back at least when i started i'm sure when you there was a lot of just more like nuts and bolts logistics of finding out hey where are they having comedy nights that aren't at the improv or you know right. comedy store yeah you had to show up just at a random show and just start talking to comedians and they don't want to help you then, <laughs> no, you're gonna, no. then you're gonna take their stage time the right. way that the way that i started getting in at la rooms was first, I cut my teeth down in Orange County because th- I could get up more often. Um, so I really spent like the first like three or four years going up like five, six nights a week in Orange County. And, uh, and then came up to L.A. after a couple of years and, uh, and said, hey, I'm new in town. Uh, you know, just, you know, give me five minutes on the show, you know, next week. And, and if you like me, I'd love to come back for a regular book spot. If you don't like me, you'll never hear from me again. I don't want to waste anybody's time, you know. And that, that seemed to be a good pitch. And then I'd go up and I'd do fine. And they go, oh, man, that was great. We'd love to have you back. Hey, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Orange County. It's not, not that yeah, far. Yeah, they don't want, you don't want to say I'm an OC <laughs> yeah. because then – yeah, there's this weird beef between OC and LA, or I don't know. Yeah, I see what you mean by coming in by saying, "Oh, I'm out of town, just moved in here." Yeah, because there's that uh, that everybody in LA is a transplant. Everyone's from somewhere else, so they sort of like feel like, "Oh, yeah, I remember right. being new and blah blah." So I just took advantage of that. So where are you from, man? Uh, well, I could still drive to my parents' house tonight if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. When you, you know, I came from the East Coast, so I think that's part of what made me come out to LA instead of New York. People, are, people have asked me a lot, why would you, why not go to New York instead of LA? But in my mind, it would be too easy. Like, if I was in New York, it would be too easy once things got hard to just be like, oh, well, I'll just come back home. Whereas making the, decision to come out to LA I was like all right I'm stuck here till I figure out how yeah. to become a comedian yeah that's good that's good I, I didn't yeah do that. still still working on it <laughs> now um all right so did you ever have any sort of normal nine to five job like kind of you said you got fired for cutting up the boss what kind of what kind of jobs did you have before you started making a living doing comedy I had regular retail jobs and stuff uh and I <laughs> wouldn't always get fired for cutting up the boss. I would actually get promoted for being a smartass for the most part. But uh, they, uh, I got fired for not showing up quite a bit. Right. Uh, but I did have a nine to f- like a Monday through Friday gig out of out of college, uh, where I was an online editor. So I know how to edit videos. Did got that, that for going. Like, did that for like three three years before I quit and. Did comedy full time. Now you're doing it full time. I know you're uh, you're married. I'm How married. long have you been married for? Six years in January. Now does that make it tough uh, being a comedian and also being married? I don't. I, no, I don't know. I don't know the difference. <laughs> I yeah, I don't have anything to compare it to. This is since I've I've been married since I've been a full time comic. So, so it's kind of worked out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know any other 
Boy. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess just people always talk about, oh, you know, I'm out at nights or I'm on the road a lot and it's a big problem. Yeah. Do you have any kids? No, no kids. Yeah, that'll probably be the, <laughs> the catalyst. You do have a uh, you have a dog. You brought him over, and we were uh, <coughs> he uh, partnered up with my dog. They seem to uh, they seem to match up well, and they uh, they had a nice session going. Yeah, they were awesome. They, they were, were really adorable. Good. They were going at it. We should post pictures all over. Oh it, yeah, there's over a, the, the there's a one uh, there's one picture of my dog, and he's I think he's actually kind of the. Comedian Shannon Hatch, was on the show, and she uh, sent in the picture of, like, my dog, like, went on top of your dog to, like, kind of make for a pose. Yeah. And I feel bad because your dog was kind of getting crushed, but it is an adorable picture regardless. Yeah, no, she likes getting crushed. Uh, <laughs> she goes to the dog park and finds the biggest dog and just rolls over in front of it. Now, like, explain. Me up. Now, how's your experience taking the dog to the dog park with the other dog park people? Uh, there is some weird dog park people that that think they know what the dogs are saying. Yes. <laughs> oh, she's, she's barking like that because she's jealous, or she's barking <laughs> like that because she had a traumatic childhood or some bullshit like that. And I'm really like, just don't talk to me. Oh, it's, it's a dog who likes barking. Everyone's like, oh, hey, Sean, it's a great place to meet girls. But I, honestly, Crazy it's, girls. Tough. <laughs> it's tough to have a conversation with just the girl. Yeah. Because you're talking through the dog. Oh, what's your name? Oh, what do you do? What's your favorite thing? <laughs> oh, hey, by the way, what's your name? It's a, it's a weird move to just be able to talk directly to the girl because a lot of times the girl will be trying to have a conversation through your dog. Yeah, yeah. And it's like... The girls try to talk to me through my dog and I uh, I always have earbuds in. Like, I'm listening <laughs> to a podcast and yeah. uh, I just go, uh, what? What'd you say? And I just, even if I can hear them, I just pretend to ignore them. I'm yeah. here to kick a ball around for an hour. I'm not here to make friends. I don't right. want to I'm know here to dog. let the dog make friends with right. other dogs. <laughs> Hang when, out. When my dog starts bleeding and yelping, I'll intervene, but in until then, I'm going to be over here reading the news. <laughs> yeah, just keeping an eye on things. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it is. Uh, it's weird how some people turn into like, to, you know, yeah, a lifestyle or, or something. And there's always like dog park drama of different dogs coming in and shaking things up. It is oh, its yeah. whole little like subculture. It's bizarre. Yeah, and it's a weird, creepy subculture where they've created this <laughs> this planet where they think everything's important that isn't right outside of that gate. Nobody gives a shit about their dog. <laughs> Just don't bite my ankle. But yeah, but that's that all, I, all I want to see. As long as the dog doesn't get hurt, I'm fine. I'm on board. <laughs> all right, so Adam, uh, you're on Twitter, right? Yeah, At, uh, Adam Hammer. Adam Hammer. Well, I don't know if you heard about this, but one of the, one of the, uh, I guess, early stars of uh, Twitter, Ashton Kutcher, might be hanging it up. I don't know if you t- uh, take a listen to this uh, news story. Kutcher says he didn't know about the scandal involving Paterno. He thought Paterno was being fired for poor performance and his age. But the backlash over his tweet was swift, with fans calling him an idiot, a moron, and a lot worse. <laughs> Call it hashtag oops. Eight million followers received this tweet from Ashton Kutcher about Penn State coach Joe Paterno. How do you fire Joe Pa? Insult. No class. As a Hawkeye fan, I find it in poor taste. Apparently not thinking before tweeting. Ashton Kutcher quitting Twitter over the Penn State sex scandal? That's so great, especially that last promo line. Quitting or quitting Twitter because of the Penn State sex scandal? No, he's not. I mean, that's not what that was about at all. He's quitting because he was an idiot and was sticking up for Joe Paterno without even, 
hearing the news story. That's what I don't understand. How can you hear, oh, okay, I'm sticking up for Joe Paterno. How can you hear that Joe Paterno was fired without also hearing the reason he was fired? I'm going to go ahead and say he knew and he was right that they shouldn't have fired Joe Paterno. Now you're so, so yeah, ooh. and I don't think that he was able right. to convey what he was thinking in 140 characters. All right, and this is my reasoning: is Joe Paterno wasn't a witness to what happened. Now the dude should have got fired, but the the you know Sandusky definitely you shouldn't fuck kids, and that's not that's not cool. But uh, Joe Paterno found out about it through hearsay. The eyewitness McQuarrie got to keep his job and is currently on paid leave. They okay. should have fired McQuarrie. Why didn't he go to the cops? They all did what they were supposed to do and went to their went to their superiors or whatever it was, whatever by the book, and whether that's morally right or not, whatever right. by the book. They did what was by the book, and uh, and yeah, they, if they're not gonna if they weren't gonna fire the McQuarrie guy first, the actual eyewitness, the guy that saw the kid fucking, then why would you fire the guy that he told, the guy that's his well, boss, I the think, guy that I think he was looking for direction Now, they don't from. know for sure, but the, the reason they haven't fired McQuarrie yet is because there's federal laws protecting whistleblowers. So in the fact that he reported what he saw to his superiors and did that, you know, he reported what he saw to his superiors and was in, set in, in fact a whistleblower on another employee – there are federal statutes that might protect him. So I think they're worried that if they fire him, then they're opening themselves up to another lawsuit. Yeah. I um, think – but, I mean, I I disagree. I thought they should have fired Joe Paterno because in my mind, you know, I went to Penn State for two years and I know how powerful Joe Paterno is there. And especially if you look at – well, first off, Sandusky got fired in 98. So there was probably – there was probably whisperings then – you know, the police investigation that they set him up then. I think there was enough evidence that when someone comes to you with that direct knowledge, I think being Joe Paterno and having the power that you have, you're morally obligated to kind of step up and make sure I agree. this gets taken care of. So I, I think that the fact that you were complicit there and didn't do more, in my mind, you deserve to be fired. No, I, I agree that you're morally obligated, and I think it's awful that he didn't do anything. I don't, it's awful he didn't go to the cops. It's awful that McQueer didn't go to the cops. It's awful that the athletic directors didn't go to yeah. the cops. And they're the ones that are actually implicit, right? Like, those guys are like, right. in they're legal getting, trouble. They're getting charged with perjury. Yeah, okay. Like, they're getting charged with a cover-up. Yeah, I don't, I don't think what Joe Paterno did was illegal, but in my mind, it's enough to warrant him being fired. And especially the more and more evidence comes out that they were – somewhat aware of this and that he was hanging around the campus even after these things happened yeah. like that's the that, thing why did they give of... him access to the showers after he was already fired and like really, it sounds like it's a ring well that's that's, that's what i like, that's yeah. what i'm saying he i mean joe paterno is probably not the the sole obviously he's not the biggest uh i mean he's the biggest figure to be taken down the scandal but the uh, the governor is going to be taken down. The board of trustees are going to be taken down. The president's already ousted because the governor he was actually the attorney general at the time who didn't prosecute Sandusky or didn't move forward with the case in '98. And then when he became governor, that's when they went in and then prosecuted more. It's a it's a big tangled mess. Yeah, how come it took these kids so long to tell? Well, like, didn't this happen like ten years ago? Well, <laughs> like, it happened. All the info I got is from headlines, by the way, <laughs> yeah. and it's and right. from Ashton Kutcher. We were yeah, eye chatting back and forth. I don't know but how any molester ever gets away with it without the kids. Yeah, because that's well, if I have kids. I mean, these are kids. I'm. I imagine there's got to be a reason. I mean, 
it just must be totally so fucked up what happened to them. They don't want to tell anybody. No, I know that, and I and I don't want to like put down like anyone that's been molested. Yeah, or anything, but I know, I know. Not coming forward. Yeah. <laughs> be a man. You got raped in the shower. Man Step up. Step up. You already took the manly thing. <laughs> maybe we need to have a scared straight for rats in the sense that we go in there and and yell at these kids who got molested. And go, yo, you want to be <laughs> you want to be made fun of? You need to you need a rat. You need to tell people what happened. No, and I'm sure that Sandusky was very manipulative. If you tell anybody about this, you'll never play on the squad or whatever, you know, coach bullshit they say. But, like, I, I don't know. I grew up with a dad and a mom, and they told me, if anybody ever touches you, I don't even care who it is, you let us know, and, and yeah. you know, we'll cut their balls off and whatever. So I never got touched, and the only time somebody <laughs> tried to get me into a van, I told them to fuck off, and they <laughs> did. So I, it was like, like, I don't know. I've never been there. I'm just... And I and I don't know a lot of guys who have, but I know like a few that did tell, and they told right away, and the parents like went and handled it, and there were legal things that happened. I'm just curious why these kids. Took well, there's so there's long. a couple of things. First parents off, need to be. I blame the parents for these kids getting fucked. <laughs> first off, the the problem I, yeah, is where <laughs> the, the the kids that he was getting from, because he set up the second mile foundation. Yeah. It was a foundation for kids who didn't have parents either biological parents their parents weren't around so this foundation was set up where kids could come and he was like their mentor so these were kids who didn't really have a traditional family life so it almost makes it that much worse in the sense yeah, that the, these kids didn't have a family structure to fall back on right and he, you know he was he's a wolf finding these little sheep uh, oh hey you wandered from the uh the pack here oh let me take you in the shower sure yeah you'll be on the penn state team one day i'll make sure uh, joe paterno himself and that's, I mean, if you could make it that much worse. But he he was picking on these kids who didn't have anyone to stand up for him. And one of the kids whose uh, mom reported it, that was in 98, she reported to police. Police set up this undercover sting where they got the guy to admit that he was showering with the boy and had some inappropriate horseplay conduct, as he called it, or, or something, uh, some weird, uh, weird phrase he used to describe it. And even said stuff like, oh, I want to kill myself. I wish I wasn't here. I yeah, apologize. He said that right to that the mom, That was in 98. Right? Yeah. yeah. Then 98. Then, But the DA dropped it. Well, he didn't, he didn't – I guess he never really dropped it. They just never – well, I guess maybe they dropped it in the sense that they never really put a case together against him. <laughs> right. But 98 that happens. Then he gets fired in 99. <laughs> so I think what happened was – that is a speculation, but it, it seems to make a lot of sense – was that they came to him with the evidence of, okay, you're having sex with kids. You got to go. We don't want this to become news. You don't want this to become news. Don't hang around kids anymore. We're going to turn our back. So then in 2002, when they have direct knowledge of a witness doing it and they turn their back again, you got to go. Oh, yeah. I don't... So that's why that's why I think you should get up fired. But I do think it's funny that Ashton Kutcher is – this is what's taken down Ashton Kutcher's Twitter. This, this Penn State scandal – there's no remorse. Even taking down Ashton Kutcher's Twitter. Way, I'm they, sure we they get say it. He's, first of all, it's a news story, which is absurd to me. And second of all, they say he's quitting Twitter like it's his job or something. <laughs> no, like he's, ha- he's hand- handing it over to his representation. Like yeah, he's he's going to go through a, a filter to make sure that, hey, um, I'm <laughs> at Pinkberry getting some dope uh, gummy bears today. Yeah, that okay, we'll make sure that one gets through. Just don't say anything political, <laughs> Ashton. What? <laughs> I would love to see the, the, you know, okay, here, this is a picture of Demi Moore's ass, because that was one of the tweets. 
Actually, check that tweet out. He tweeted a picture of Demi Moore's ass when she was bending over or something. He tweeted that. That's awesome. That's never going to make it through the management. No, no, the management won't won't let that. They're happen. not going to let that. Through. Well, he's not going to be uh, twittering too much more of Demi Moore's ass. Is <laughs> yeah, <he>? no. <laughs> uh, maybe he's got some old ones on file. I love that. It is funny, just the the life cycle of a Hollywood relationship and the idea. Oh my God, this is this this is crazy. Can you believe he's marrying this girl that's so much older? Yeah, they're not going to be together till death do they part. It's no. six years, seven years. They had a good run. I do find I found it funny that Ashton Kutcher, when he was hooking up with the chick, or yeah, I mean the chick basically that it came out that he was being unfaithful with. And turned out she was a Republican. So I guess when they were hooking up, he said something like, oh, you're a Republican? That's going to be a problem. <laughs> just, who cares, man? If she's a hot chick, let it go. <laughs> wow, really? I love, I love how he's just into the uh, bedroom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's like, what, does she have an elephant tattooed as a tramp stamp or something? <laughs> like, what does this mean? That's the grand old party, A plus K. <laughs> See, Ashton Kutcher, what he doesn't realize is that the entire time he's been getting laid because he's Ashton Kutcher. In the back of his head, he thinks, oh, it's interesting because I'm... I read some newspapers and I'm kind of political. Not, not you know, not so much that I know what's going on in the Joe Paterno case. But girls like to hear, <laughs> girls like to hear when I talk current events to them. So I'll make sure I bring that up. Then it's going to be a sure thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're getting laid because you're Ashton Kutcher and you're, right. you're good looking and have tons of dollars. Yeah, nobody cares what he thinks. <laughs> just no, just pran- prance around, act stupid, and he smile. Can, yeah, he consistently <laughs> plays stupid characters. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, f- he filled in for Charlie Sheen, so Nobody that's Nobody wants to hear you up. talk. All right, now, getting a little serious here with the political stuff. UC Davis protesters, they set up a peaceful protest, I guess somewhat related to Occupy Wall Street, on their campus. And here's a little audio of uh, them getting doused. It sounded like it got pretty crazy. Cops just rolled in and just started clearing them out with pepper spray. It's hard not to laugh. <laughs> that was actually the cops taking away the hockey sacks. <laughs> My bongo! Ran out of patchouli oil. These, these people have the right to protest, but yeah, I'm getting more and more annoyed by this. By the story. Well, the Occupy Wall Street. I mean, I. God bless them. I don't. I kind of support some of the stuff they're going for, but really, you don't need to just just because a couple hippie kids are sitting around at a campus. You, I, wh- where is the legality in just pulling them out and pepper spraying them? And that you could just tell the cops just enjoy being dicks, and they're just sitting there shaking up a pepper spray can, just walking up and down, and they're being rough with girls. They're being rough with like these. It's like a nineteen-year-old chick. You don't need to. Sp- sprayer with pepper and and like beat them up just because they're sitting there like i don't even understand okay it's different if it's like a place of business where people actually have to get through okay i understand something there of like oh we have to clear this out but it's a it's a quad no it's a quad at a university yeah no they shouldn't be doing that there they shouldn't be doing that anywhere in public that's that's illegal like the way that that, that's just part of the police state we we come down all over libya for in egypt in I Syria say, for doing say, the exact think, same thing. I don't think I understood that. I thought that was them removing them because I know they they removed all the tents from uh, New York in that one part. No. Well, first oh, off, I'm what, offended. I'm offended was. mostly as a taxpayer. I'm just sitting there watching this UC Davis uh, 
there's like 25 officers all sitting there, one guy pepper spraying. There's 25 people there. There's maybe 60 kids. It's just a waste of manpower. Maybe the university police should be investigating guys like Sandusky, following up on leads on that. This is what annoys me about the police. Every time you hear, oh, we're underfunded, we need more funding to take out crime. Okay, maybe there's something to that. But when I see you guys wasting hundreds of manpower and, and thousands of dollars just roughing up 18-year-olds who are hanging out trying to – I mean most of these kids are just trying to be interesting by taking a political stronghold. So if anything, you're giving them exactly what they want by giving them plenty of attention and making it a news story. Whereas if they just would have sat there, they would have been like, all right, some kids hanging out at a quad. Yeah, they don't prevent crime. They respond to crime. I say strip them of all their funding. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need cops. Just give everybody a gun, and we're good. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's the solution. Don't even give it to them. Let them buy their own. Jesus. Make them, uh, make them get a uh, gun on layaway. Part yeah. of their part of their package there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll come out of their taxes when our taxes go down, and we're not paying for a police force anymore. We I never understood. I never understood how England got away with not having cops who have guns. I because the people don't have guns. Yeah. yeah, I guess is that what it is? Yeah. It, that just gun guns aren't a problem in England at all? No, I'm sure that there's like a black market for it and I'm sure there's gangsters with guns. And there was a shooting. There was a shooting in England not that long ago. A cop actually shot somebody. I think there's like a like the general patrolling cops don't have guns, but I think there's like a second like tier a, of guys like right. that Snipe. do like a FBI type team. thing. Yeah, because they shot a guy. They shot a like taxi driver or something. Really in England, and it, yeah. that's what started the last riots in in London. Was they felt like it was police brutality, and they're you know the country's turning into a police state. And Yikes. when that happens here, nobody rises up. When that happens there, they actually start riots and dissenting and telling the government, no, you work for us. But here, it's like, we're going to sit in the park. <laughs> and then the cops are like, okay, you can sit in the park for a while. We're going to keep sitting in the park. Okay, guys, you got to leave the park. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna go sit in a different park but you know over there they're breaking windows and spray painting and tipping they're cars. a little more gutsy yeah and they're i mean granted that you know the cops that they're fighting against don't most of them don't have guns but here like all the cops we all hear about cops shooting unarmed people yeah. all the time happens a yeah. couple times a year so, so what do you like, think what do you think the honest solution is what what do we do to kind of bring the cops back a notch oh i think we need to put the put the authority in check. I think people need to actually stand up to them instead of instead of constantly trying to follow the we have a permit and we should be able to do this. I think yeah. they need to stand I like the the kids <laughs> that were linking their arms and getting pepper sprayed and saying the whole world can see this because right now that's what I mean not everybody's going to be able to get a gun and there's you know you can't really show that kind of manpower without just getting shot and dying but right. your biggest defense is those videos that's why all these all these abusive cops are getting reprimanded they're getting fired because of YouTube because kids are whipping out their cameras and going we're not going to put up with this shit anymore and it's making for great YouTube videos it is <laughs> but there's people that the cops aren't liking this either there's people that are getting uh there's a guy in Chicago that's like up for a for a 15 year sentence for recording a uh, run-of-the-mill speeding ticket 
where he was like, well, I just want to make sure, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm recording this because I want to make sure you're not infringing on whatever right, you know, for illegal search and seizure and stuff. And the cop said, well, I didn't okay you to record this. So this is eavesdropping and it's against whatever, whatever, whatever this. statute. Yeah. That's the thing. They give you oh. these rights in the constitution that then they just take away at the state or city level. So this guy's like, well, I actually have a right to record a public official because of the Fourth Amendment or whatever. And yeah. He's like, not anymore. <laughs> Fuck your constitution. I got a badge. Well, that is it's the whole thing. Like when they pull you over, what is reasonable suspicion in the sense that, well, the cop can just say, well, yeah, I had reason to believe he had a firearm, this or that. And then it comes down to the testimony of you versus the cop. I mean, I, I think technology is helping out in one sense. And the idea of, like you said, you're able to protect yourself. Now dashboard cameras are getting more and more standard for mm-hmm. police pulling over or at least audio recording. So if you weren't read your Miranda rights, if you, you know, they pulled you over for something that they said they pulled you over for and then they look at the footage, it's not there. I think you're I think you're right. I think technology is probably better than just brute force. Yeah, yeah, but at some point Enough people are going to get pushed up against the wall that they're going to get that they're going to push back. And where is Rage Against the Machine where we need there it? There still are. Why are they not rocking out <laughs> Occupy Wall Street? I think they are, aren't they? And I'm sure Tom Morello's That's been there. A, a few I don't times. know. I haven't heard of any. You, you you get back together for Coachella. You can't come back. This is what you were preaching. I know. When I was 13 years old and I was slamming my book bag and, and you know pounding my head in the walls and getting into mosh pits. This is a future I dreamed of. Yeah. And Rage Against the Machine, where are you guys? This is your moment. I say let's step it up a notch and bring Body Count back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all the old punk bands. Body Count, Biohazard, Earth Crisis. Oh, man. A lot of good hardcore bands. Really, really, we need a soundtrack to the movement. I think that's what the 70s, the Vietnam protests, what they had going for them is great music. That helped propel the movement. Yeah. You hear singer-songwriters up there. You got Woodstock <laughs> going. They. Uh, the problem is you now... You can't start a revolution with Coldplay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's going to do a touching ballad, or you're going to get 50 Cent up there yelling over some MIDI track. Come on, we need some singer-songwriters to get fired up. We need some rock anthems to <laughs> propel this nation. All right, well let's uh, let's go a little more lighthearted here. Adam, are you big uh, NASCAR fan? No, I like I like the <laughs> I like the last ten laps. It I is, don't, I'm not against NASCAR. I just, no, I think it's a fun experience, but watching it on television is pretty is pretty tough. But if you watch it on television, you were able to see this moment where um, Michelle Obama and also uh, First Lady. Or I don't know what do you call her first assistant first lady Jill Biden. <laughs> they were uh, they were vice first lady. They uh, they showed up at this. Uh, Joe Biden's wife. Exactly, Joe Biden's wife. Monday now ask that all servicemen and women, veterans and military families stand to be recognized for your service to this country. And now, please welcome our Grand Marshals, Sergeant Andrew Barry and family, party of the United States, Michelle Obama and Dr. Jill Biden, as they deliver the most famous words in motorsports. Gentlemen, start your engines. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Way to keep it classy, NASCAR. Ah, uh, it's kind of expected. Yeah. It is expected. Whoever planned this out, 
the White House press correspondent, you should be fired just for taking a look at the NASCAR event. No, God, no. What are we trying to do here? I don't, what are they booing Michelle Obama? Is it because she's a Democrat, she's black, she's a woman, all three? I don't know what they're angry about. Democrat. Yeah, Democrat. I'll go with Democrat. They can't boo, they're not booing her because she's a woman because they're as rednecky and backwards as NASCAR fans tend to be, stereotypically. Not sure. all of them, obviously. Uh they are the only sport to incorporate women as equals. That is true. Every other sport, even golf, has a separate category, which I don't understand why. And uh, so they're a little more progressive in the uh, gender equality. That is um, true. I'm, Give it up. I'm sure they have a black guy somewhere in the. I'm sure there's a black farm NASCAR guy. <laughs> Republicans slowly working his way up. And the right in general saw a vacuum in the market of like politics where women weren't getting elected, and they're like, "All right, well, we'll kind of make that our thing." Yeah, like Michelle Bachman and Taylor Palin. I mean, they're not great candidates, but no, they're idiots. They took on that role because they were like, "All right, well, black, we cannot for the life of us get black people to like us, so <laughs> let's just go for women." Well, now they're trying with work. now they're which trying with stupid. Herman Cain, <laughs> which is stupid because their women are all submissive, so they already got the woman yeah. vote. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, I think NASCAR fans get a little bad rap. I think it's more just. Oh, I was talking about Republicans. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, me too. But no, I, mean, I got nothing against NASCAR. I feel fans. like NASCAR people are mostly Republicans. Probably. Mostly Republican because they identify with that country lifestyle, and so anything that's kind of yeah, they they like they like uh, drinking whiskey. They like listening to country music. They like NASCAR. They from red just, states. <laughs> yeah, they like doing truck stuff. And yeah, I got no beef with that. But I yeah, think yeah. I think yeah, it's they they see as like the Democrats as oh they're liberal they're they they kind of uh, I think they get intimidated by Democrats or you know they kind of get this us versus them thing in the same way the left gets it like oh all Republicans are just ignorant dumb rednecks and then rednecks hear that and they're like oh I'll show them I'm I'll never vote for them and that's that's what's tearing this nation apart, guys. Problem solved. I wonder if you would get the same reaction. I'm sure you would get the same reaction, though, at like a uh, Knicks game if President Bush walked out to to do whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It, it depends because I think it's more. Maybe not Knicks. Maybe like Seattle. <laughs> maybe Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> I think sports fans in general are apolitical, except for NASCAR fans. I think there's a little bit more of a culture thing. Yeah. And the idea of like, okay, this is a culture. This is about us. This is the South. This is how we do things. We're we vote Republican. Where I feel like most sports fans, like you go to Giant Stadium, I'm sure it's pretty much 50-50 Democrat-Republican. So I think if President Bush came oh. out, you'd probably get some mixed reactions. I don't. I, I, that didn't I sound like the whole crowd was booing her, though. No, that's so, true. Yeah. I mean, it sounded yeah. like a, uh, well, a, a vocal minority. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, they were fired up. They were drunk. Hey, listen, they are still I've done. I've done patriotic. much worse when I was, uh, yeah, they are. But you would think, okay, you're patriotic, eh, respect the White House, but I've done much worse when I've been at, drunk at uh, sporting events. I've probably yelled out <laughs> yeah. way worse stuff than just, boo you. Yeah, I've done worse to karaoke singers. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You suck. Everybody rally behind me. Get the whole bar against this chick. Now, you talk about karaoke. I don't know what made me think of this, but have you ever gone to – this is like an L.A. thing. I know they, they had it in Burbank. I think uh, – forget what place it was at Burbank, but they have Porn Star Karaoke Night. No. Have you ever gone there? It is hilarious. Just because, 
I mean, it's just it's something to go just to see because you got the porn stars up there. They're doing the karaoke, and okay, that's kind of funny. And they're they're no like first off, I don't even know who a big name porn star is, but there's no like huge porn star. It's the B list porno chicks that are at the porno star, or <laughs> the porno karaoke. So they're up there, they're doing their thing, they're obviously awful at karaoke, but then there's just this legion of creepy guys that are there just to, you know, rub elbows with the porn star <laughs> chicks, and then also try to impress them by singing karaoke. So oh, <laughs> that's funny. So every, 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 uh, every chick song will just be like, you know, one of those, uh, you know, like... Uh, Those just want to have fun. <laughs> yeah. Cindy Lauper type jams, maybe some Madonna, you know, empowering female music. And then every guy song is just like these heartfelt melodies that they're trying to belt out to impress one of the porno <laughs> chicks. I figured it was like Nine Inch Nails or something. <laughs> it's like, just get straight to the point. There's got to be a gamut. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure... Uh, just breathing. All, all or, different kinds of creeps. Blood, or Bloodhound Gang. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some very, just very graphic in the verbiage. Yeah. No, just these guys things. staring at them with their one hand in their pocket. Just, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a funny thing because uh, maybe I'm just judging these guys, but I feel like they wanted, to, they wanted some romance in the sense that they've already seen their videos. They've already seen that aspect. They've already felt like in a way they've had that. Yeah. Like this is a, a much creepier thing in that they really want to love these women and want to have a romantic relationship with them because they've already kind of had that <laughs> other end. Right. Like I've already uh, had a romantic relationship with you for a long time, Stardazzle. And, yes. uh, <laughs> sure, you weren't aware of it. I just need or you maybe to you reciprocate. Maybe, maybe, you got the, maybe you got the emails. I, I have, don't know. I have you said you didn't get the emails. In this flashlight. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, so we were talking about um, the Republicans. And now this is Herman Cain – was it last week or two weeks ago, he kind of got some grief for not knowing President Obama's position on Libya. Yeah. And this is him kind of responding to that and basically trying to rally his troops, get the campaign re-energized, and this is his uh, comeback to that. Who knows every detail of every country, of every situation on the planet? <laughs> Nobody. A leader is supposed to make sure we work on the right problem. We assign the right priority. Surround yourself with good people. Put together plans and lead. <laughs> this guy's got the best hindsight speechwriter, man. <laughs> Seriously. I just love that attitude of, hey, who knows everything all the time? <laughs> I, you don't hear a president ever say that. It's kind of refreshing. That sort of honesty of, hey, look, I don't know everything all the time. You guys would mess up all the time at your jobs. Look at the economy. Come on, just like me because I'm me. Normally, normally vote for me. I'm not perfect. (laughs) Neither are you. You might even accidentally vote for me trying to vote for Romney, and that's okay because none of us are perfect. (laughs) That's a mistake I would make because I'm the cane man. I make mistakes left and right just like you guys. Who wants a coupon? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He sounds like such a sleazy business guy. <laughs> basically the two things you know about this guy is he likes pizza he messes up who does who can who can't empathize with that yeah i like pizza i mess up a lot a little touchy-feely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's very uh charismatic i, I like a, watching this guy he's a, he's a character man this guy's he, tax plan would be horrible for any entrepreneur any kind of upstart business but uh 
But it, like, so I really don't want him to get elected as a self-employed comedian, right? Who <laughs> is very dependent on tax write-offs in order to live. Uh, but uh, God, I would love to see a debate with him and Obama. <laughs> with that would be Obama, <laughs> who's very researched and meticulous, and Herman Cain, who's like, "What do you want me to say? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll sign that thing. Yeah, electric fence. Screw the Mexican. Wait, oh." Oh, I'm not supposed to say that? Okay. Never mind. Never. <laughs> Coming back the other way. Hey, who wants a coupon? <laughs> basically, basically, he's just admitting that he plans to hire people that will tell him what to do. Yeah. Which, as a presidential candidate, these guys have such egos. That's like the last thing you want to admit to. But this guy's just, yeah, I'm up front with it. Look, I'm not going to be hands-on with everything. Libya, I'll hire guys who know about Libya. Right. This isn't a this isn't a Sicilian crust, all right? This is a country you have to... You, this well, isn't some... Yeah, if you talk about to, something else, it would have been acceptable. Right. But Libya, that's one of the wars where... Well, he, he's <laughs> yeah. coming from the business world, and that's great to be able to kind of... Uh, delegate responsibilities. Okay, you know how to make a uh, great crust. You know how to make a great cheese. You guys come together. You're shipping. You're receiving. I'm here just grabbing thighs and cashing checks. I'm the businessman. <laughs> yeah. But especially, you need to at least appear, if you're going to be the president, you need to appear like you're a little more hands-on instead of the idea of like, oh, hey, someone will take care of that, and I'll <laughs> that pick a good it. person. <laughs> how do I know? Look at how well research I was on Livia. I'll figure things out. <laughs> I do love how, like, that would be great, him versus Obama or, or anyone who's real thorough and meticulous in the idea, like, his comeback would be like, yeah, well, heck, that guy knows a lot of stuff, but really, look at me, guys. I'm fun to hang out with. Come on. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Who nah, wants nah, crazy nah. bread? That's how Bush won against Gore. Gore did not <laughs> seem like a trustworthy guy. I don't waste my time getting in there and reading. <laughs> all right, guys? <laughs> well, you might pick up the paper all day long. What I'm saying is action. Action, action. Hey, you got to get in there and get your elbows dirty and electrocute some Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, that's not a part of the 999 plan. I haven't read it thoroughly, but right? <laughs> no, it's not. It's how many volts are going to run through the fence. <laughs> it's part of Perry's plan. <laughs> I mean, I do get – as much as I want to make – like you said, the 999 plan doesn't – you know, there's a bunch of holes and it would hurt a lot of people. I do like the idea of simplifying the tax plan or making making it much simpler. I don't know how you go about doing that in a way that we can still live off that income or, you know, have a balanced budget. But I do like the idea of something very simple. That seems like a good idea and we could knock down some bureaucracy. Um, no, not really. We wouldn't <laughs> knock down any bureaucracy. Everybody that has a job would keep a job. Whoever has to write the tax code would just rewrite the tax code. It wouldn't change anything other than if you, it would be great for people that worked for a company because their payroll tax would go down. The company's tax would go down. That side of the economy would be wonderful. But for guys like you and me who we yeah. need to, Write off our mileage. We need to write off our expenses. Like I, I put together a little plan where if I had, if, let's say I, you know, there's been plenty of road gigs that I've done where I've gotten paid for. Like I've gotten paid five hundred dollars for the week, and it cost me four hundred dollars to get there and all that. So, yeah, so, so I'm making a profit of a hundred dollars. Where right now, under the current tax plan, even if I was, even with you know, with all my write-offs or whatever, I'm, my taxable income is a hundred bucks. Even if I was getting taxed at the highest rate, I'd, I'd have to pay thirty-five dollars. So I got sixty-five bucks left to play with. But under his tax plan, I would uh, first of all, the four hundred dollars would have an added 
income tax on top of it of 9%, which would make my cost $436, which means I'm already only down to 64. Um, but on top of that, I'd get taxed 9% on that $500. So now I'm paying $45 out of that $64. Now I've only got $19 left in my pocket. That's not how you... That's not how you grow an economy with small businesses. We're going to hire new down, people. Yeah, he's holding down the small pizza places. Yeah. he doesn't want he doesn't want the next Papa John. He know he's <laughs> exactly. out there. He it makes everyone that competition. Everyone's a slave to the corporation, and then it's like this Occupy Wall Street movement times fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Occupy Pizza Hut. Yeah. Oh wait, real quick, did you guys see that news story? Where apparently we lost some spies over in, I think it was Afghanistan, somewhere in the Middle East. I don't know for sure, but we just lost them. Well, no, they Where did we put those spies. Seemingly, <laughs> they they probably got executed because they found out they were double agents or whatever working oh. for the CIA. And I guess oh. they're, <laughs> according to something that leaked, who knows if it's true or not, their secret code was pizza. And that meant meet me at the Pizza Hut, whichever, like Pizza Hut in Iraq or Iran. Or whatever. So, um, yeah, bad bad publicity all around for Pizza Hut. Could, could that wow. have even been what gave him away? Like, what's his I, I don't know. pizza? Wait a minute. That sounds American. <laughs> See, it seems too easy. It seems too easy. All right. Man, Adam, uh, time flew. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, where can people check you out? Uh, AdamHammer.com. I have a lot of uh, political blogs that are funnier than the politics I got into today. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm uh, at, Adam, at Adam Hammer on Twitter. And, cool. Uh, yeah, everything else is good. Times. It's all linked through my website. Logan, you want to uh, wrap things up with the haiku? Let's do it. Ooh, yeah. Dog park subculture. Tijuana, Madonna. Beautiful, Logan. Touch my heart. <laughs> can I Appreciate get that, that. tattooed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, you can, Ab. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to the program. Quick reminder, we're doing a Comedy Garage Thanksgiving Eve show this Wednesday. It's also a canned food drive. You can uh, check it out on Facebook. Just look up the Comedy Garage. 6476 Santa Monica Boulevard, kicking off at 10 o'clock. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Green Room. We do it live every week here. SeanTGreen.com.